Get your Bibles out and turn to Romans, the 15th chapter, beginning at verse 1. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. I've asked the sound team not to put all the verses up on the screen. It's a good thing. I think there's a time and place for it. I preach like that a lot of times. This morning I chose not to because I, there's also something powerful about pages turning and seeing rows of families looking at the scripture, amen, or fingers scrolling, whatever. Whatever your preference is. I want to show you two signs here. How many of you have ever seen somebody standing and holding this? Raise your hand. Okay. And I have two. And that makes for a really... Thanks for a debate in my spirit for many reasons. But as I've been in ministry for, man, 13 years now, almost 13 years, I've learned a lot and I've seen a lot. And I've seen enough to really believe in my heart that the majority of those people would really if they really wrote down on a cardboard box what their heart was saying, it would be more like this. If you can't read what that says, it says, we'll work for direction. For direction. Pastor's been teaching this month, and it's been phenomenal, on giving, money, tithes, offering. He mentioned benevolence. Last week, just a little bit, and I went in his office a couple weeks ago, and he said, what are you going to preach about? And I said, why don't we just stay the course? And um, I really think that I would love to preach on benevolence. So we're going to do that this morning, and we're going to make a run at it. So if you could, one more time, stand to your feet. You know, Luke, the 11th chapter, says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. How many of you want to be blessed this morning? About seven people, praise God. It's good. I, I didn't raise my hand, so I'm a hypocrite. How many of you want to be blessed this morning? Okay, wow. Well, the Bible clearly says, blessed are those who hear the word and keep it. So my prayer this morning is that you hear this word and that you truly keep it. Romans, the 15th chapter, verse 1 says, we then who are strong, that's you, it's us, it's a church. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Oh, why not? Let's just read some more. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. Look where it leads. Leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever, verse 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, our admonition, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. 
Father, just honored. God, we just pray once again that you would speak to us through this word. And I pray that every one of us would leave this place better than the way we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I would like to speak to you this morning from the thought of benevolence, hand out or hand up? Benevolence, hand out or hand up? Now, some of you, if you haven't been around the church world a lot, you're probably wondering, what does the word benevolent mean? Benevolence is pretty much kindness, the love of mankind, charitable, okay? Being benevolent means you're reaching out to someone. Um, a lot of times in the church, um, in the local church, benevolence relates to finances, helping somebody with a bill. I've had the great honor of the last several years of being our benevolent pastor, meaning through the faithfulness of the men and women of this church, you put finances and resources in the benevolent account, a specific account designated for that, and we are thankful for that, amen, and I want to thank you for being so faithful, for putting resources, your hard-earned resources into that. And then it's my responsibility to take the old blue checkbook and sit down with that individual and listen to their story, because that's important, amen? Because I could just sit up here all day long, pastor could sit up here all day long and just write checks and hand it to them, and they're gone. But we want to do more than that, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So I hope you get an understanding of what benevolence is, but we really want to look at benevolence today, and I want you to look at benevolence today through the lenses of Jesus Christ. Because there, I believe there's so much more to benevolence than just me writing you a check for your energy bill. Because I've seen way too many people, and I've been around way too many people, that all that did was give them some temporary satisfaction for the next month. And what was the predicament the next month? The same as it was the month before. So I stepped back once I first started doing the benevolent ministry, and I thought, dear God, what can I do that will help this situation better? Because I would continue to see the same people over and over again. We keep a log. Me and Lexi work together, and we keep track of who comes in, how much we give them. We're not, trust me, I say, you can ask Shane, I say no a lot. So I take it very serious. Don't think that I just hand out money because I don't. I take it very serious. And there's a lot of people that I say no to. But there's a lot of people that will come back over and over again, and we've set specific rules down to where we only help people in certain situations a certain time every year. Now we've gone to pretty much once a year. We will consider helping you. But there's more to just writing a check. I've sit in this sanctuary. I've sat outside. I've went to Harps with people. I've went to Walmart with people. And I've gone a step further than just giving them a check. And this is what I normally tell them. I told a lady this uh, Thursday, I believe it was. I like to look at them in the eye. Something happens when you look at another human being in, two, in their eyes and, and you have Jesus on you. Something happens. Things begin to happen in the spiritual realm. So I like to look, not just, not freaking them out, okay? I don't go up to them and just be like, all right, right here. You want me to pay your energy bill? You're right here, okay? Right here. I don't do that, okay? Um, I pray when Lexi calls me, she'll say, we have a benevolence down here. I will literally pray as I'm walking down 
to her office to ask God to give me wisdom and strength because their situations from a 21-year-old young man that's on disability to an 80-year-old widow woman that her house just burned down. And it, it could vary each and every day. And it really is an emotional roller coaster. But I'll tell you when the emotional roller coaster really stopped. And that's when I, I began to go a step further and do benevolence the way Christ did benevolence. So that's what we're going to look at today. Turn to Acts, the third chapter. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today, a lot. Acts chapter 3, because I've learned the less, the less of my words and more of his, it just works out better that way. Amen? Acts chapter 3, let's look at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asking, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. A very simple message, but so powerful. We live in a day and time in 2016 where due to many things, you really want to get somebody's attention, look at them longer than two or three seconds. Put your phone down and look at them in their eyes and you will get their attention, I promise you. It could have been very easy as Peter and John were going to the temple, they're going to church to worship. It would have been very easy for them to just put some money in the container and walk on. We've all done that, and there's nothing wrong with that, amen? But something was different that day. And Peter said, I love how the Bible says that he fixed his eyes on him. See, if, if we would stop and not allow the enemy to put a judgmental spirit in us when we're trying to help somebody first, then we would get a lot further with that person, amen? And I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, because it's so easy to judge, right? We're all sinners, right? Am I the only sinner in the house this morning? Okay, it's very easy to judge. It's very easy. Early on, it was so easy for me to judge. I spent 10 years in Walmart, and one thing that always used to just drive me crazy is when 18, 19-year-old students would come into Walmart and they would be on food stamps and they wouldn't be working and they would have the same college schedule as me but they would say, you know what, I just can't work. But they'd whip out that card and start getting whatever they wanted to get and go do whatever they wanted to do while I was working 40 hours a week and I was going to school. So early on, it was real easy for me to say, you know what, I am not helping them. You can ask Lexi. There's times where I came down and I was like, golly, I wish they wouldn't come in here. And that's not the way to do it. But when you fix your eyes on somebody and you look past that and you get their attention, look at verse 5. It says, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him up by the right hand and lifted him up, hand up, not a hand out. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened 
to him. What happened when the man fixed his eyes upon Peter? What happened to him? What happened to him? Yes, he was healed, but what happened to him is his thoughts, his heart immediately went off his circumstances. It wasn't about needing money anymore. It wasn't about needing my energy bill paid, but there was something more that I needed, and whatever this guy had, I needed it. Don't you know when he got up and started walking around, he wasn't thinking about his rent being due. He wasn't thinking about how am I going to get groceries next week. What he was thinking about is whatever those two guys zapped into me, fixed me and healed me. And I want to give all the glory and praise to Jesus Christ. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. A lot of these people that want help, church family, what they really want to say is I need direction. Yeah, they need food. Yeah, they need money. Yeah, they need their gas bill paid. But they need something way more important than that. And they're hungry for it, I promise you. I see it every day, being a foster parent. I see it every day, working in the ministry. 99.9% of the people that are holding those signs, 99% of the people that are coming to this church really just want to say, I need direction. And I just need somebody to show me Jesus. I need you, the church, to be the church and just show me what it means to be Jesus. I don't need your checks anymore. I don't need your handouts anymore. I need a hand up. Because if I don't get a hand up, it's going to continuously be handouts and nothing ever is going to happen in my life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Verse 27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Powerful. Powerful. Do not withhold what is good. If you are a born-again believer, you have a gift that no amount of money can touch. And there's no title that dictates that gift. You don't have to have a pastor in front of your name. If you're a born-again believer, you are in the family of Jesus Christ. And there is a power that dwells in you that you need to show somebody else. Amen? Now let's go to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 15. I wanted to do this. As our Sunday school, our new curriculum is all about how the Old Testament is so relevant and so important. So I wanted to use some examples from the Old Testament. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15 where we will see benevolence at its best. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Thursday when that woman came in, she'd come in a few times and she was requesting a large amount of money. But I knew that I couldn't touch that. There's no way I could help her with that but I knew she was searching for something much more. So when I fixed my eyes on her and I simply asked her this question, how are you doing? Because her daughter was in jail, her son was in jail, and her husband was in jail. And she, she was so empty and she's probably been so hurt for so long, there's no more tears. You've heard that expression. But I simply looked at her in her eyes like Peter did and I fixed my eyes on hers and I said, how are you doing? She's never been asked that before. 
would be my guess, because she began to weep. And I got to tell her about Jesus. Now, was that difficult? No. It just took a little bit of time. Took a little bit of time. That's something that anybody in this building can do any given day at any given time. Deuteronomy 15. Moses is getting older and he's teaching this law to a new generation. And in verse 12, it says, if, you, if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. This is a very interesting chapter. You need to go back and read it yourselves this week, talking about debts being canceled every seven years. Verse 13. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. Don't ever let somebody in need go out of your presence empty-handed. No matter what kind of judgmental thoughts that you have about them, no matter what kind of facts that you have on them, no matter how bad they've wronged you, no matter how bad they've wronged the system, no matter how bad they've cheated the system, don't ever let people go out of your sight empty. We have a message, amen? We have a benevolent responsibility to share Jesus with them. Verse 14. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, but not only your flock, from your threshing floor, but not only your threshing floor, but from your wine press. Watch this. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. God was reminding them of where they came from. We need to remind ourselves as the church where God has brought us from. We need to be reminded where God has brought us from as individuals when it comes to being benevolent to another human being. The devil likes to just hammer us with this kind of better than thou attitude when we finally get things right. Well, I finally got to a place in my life where I've gotten things right. But that doesn't make me any better than any human being that breathes the same air that I do. Because Jesus loves them just as much as they love me. Amen? But he said, be careful. Remind yourself that I took you out of bondage. And I think about that. And I'll tell you, if you really want to be helped out with a benevolent spirit, every time you come and encounter with somebody that needs your help, remind yourself. Take, take that thought back to the day that you got saved. Take that thought back to the day that you were in the clubs. Take that thought back to the day when you were at the liquor store. Take that thought back to the day when you were in jail. Take that thought back to the day when you were in rehab. And remind yourself of where God has brought you. And they deserve the same thing. Amen? Amen? That's a good word, church family. Remind yourself where God has brought you from. Now go back to the New Testament, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I just want the word to speak to you this morning. Luke chapter 10. I preached this message this morning not in hope that something like this will happen in our area. Not with this far-fetched dream. I told somebody the other day, I don't really have unreachable dreams anymore. My dreams are attainable. Something has shifted in me, Doc, where it's, it's not hard to dream anymore and it not be a reality. 
we want to start an orphanage. That's not a big deal anymore. We're going to start an orphanage. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's not a big, major thing where I can't reach anymore. One day we might start a school as well. That's not a big, overwhelming feeling anymore. Because when you begin to be benevolent every day of your life, that's when you begin to see Jesus in the flesh. That's when you begin, that's when things begin to change, Wes, is when you're benevolent, not just to the people you're supposed to be benevolent to, but to people you're not supposed to be benevolent to. The people when you know they're doing wrong. But remember, it's, it's not food and, and money that they want. They want direction, and they need direction. But who's going to give them that direction if the church doesn't give them that direction? And when you're dealing with a city with 7,000 people, we have 54 churches in this county. 54 churches. Thankfully, this is one of the healthiest churches in our city, in our county, and I thank God for what he's doing. But I thank God for what he's going to do. You get a group of people to begin to be benevolent in their own lives on a daily basis, and I promise you things will look different. I promise you they have in our lives. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, familiar story. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law, Jesus speaking, what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Oh, I can do that. With all your mind. Awesome, I can do that. Well, there's a part of the verse you're forgetting. And your neighbor as yourself. Now neighbor, I'm pretty sure that neighbor isn't defined as cousins, brothers, sisters, friends, small group. I'm pretty sure neighbor is whoever is in your area at that moment. Amen? Goes on to say, verse 28. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered, said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, very priestly, biblical man, when he, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side as well. But a certain Samaritan, an outcast, an outcast from the hill country, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He was like Peter. He stopped, he fixed his eyes upon the person in need. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal. Oil and wine was expensive. Not only did he bandage him with that, but he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves, Jesus said. And the guy said, I, I, and he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Wow. How many times have you drove by somebody on the side of the road? And when you got further down the road, you thought, man, I should have stopped. I've been there. Now, am I saying stop every time somebody's on the side of the road? No. God gives us wisdom if we will listen 
God gives us direction when we will listen. But in general, how many times you knew somebody was in need and you kept going, I've done it. I've done it recently. This isn't a message about I'm better than you, you're better than me. This is a message about us improving in our benevolent spirit. Amen? Hand up, not a handout. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. But see, the guy just, he didn't just stop and say, hey, man, let me call somebody for you. Let me use my cell phone. There's nothing wrong with that. But he went above and beyond. He's a Samaritan. Above and beyond. Bandaged him up. He used his resources. Put him on his animal. Got him a place. Not only got him a place, got him set up in the place. Not only got him set up in the place, but told the innkeeper, man, whatever he needs, get it, and I will pay you back. Truly a Christ-like, benevolent spirit. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught, verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. There's some of you in here right now. The only thing that you're missing to really just see Jesus in a new light is to have a new outlook on a benevolent spirit. And not let the first thing you think about when somebody's holding one of those signs is, man, how much do I got in my pocket? But to pray, God, give me direction on what to tell them and what to say in this moment. Give me the strength to look them in the eyes and say, we'll get to your electric bill here in a little bit. But right now, I want to ask you, What about you? How are you doing? I promise you things will begin to change in your life. Men, I really need you men to begin to look at some young men in this city and take the time to look at them in their eyes and ask them how they're doing. We're losing a generation. And... I'll say it this way. We're losing a generation of boys. Because I'm going to tell you right now, some of my best leaders in our ministry are females. And I'm okay with that to an extent. But that falls on the church and us men to begin to look at these young boys. And I promise you, you look at a young boy in his eyes, with the love of Christ and his life will change. I live it every day. Every day. 
Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28. Just from a youth pastor's heart, listen to me, adults. It's much more difficult to fix an adult than it is a teenager. It's much more difficult to fix an adult than it is a 10-year-old boy. I would rather train boys than I would take care of men. But that's where we're at as a culture because we're not taking the time to teach and to train and to disciple people as Jesus Christ told us to do. In all my studies, the message never changes. We are to disciple people. That is your responsibility. That is yours. That is yours. That is mine. That is our responsibility. That will never change. You can't play the card, well, I wasn't called to do it. If you sign the dotted line spiritually that you believe in Jesus Christ, you were called to do it. And yeah, there's people in, in Saudi Arabia, and yeah, there's people in Africa, and yeah, there's people in Honduras, yes, and we are sending people to them, praise God. But there are people in my city that are waiting for a person from First Assembly to take the time and look them in the eye, not shoot them a text, not put a post on Facebook, but look them in the eye and say, how are you doing? And their lives will never be the same, I promise. That's one of the reasons that I wanted to get into foster care because it would give me more access to the kids on a daily basis because a lot of kids, I just have access once a week. Well, now I got access 24-7. And that changes the ball game. Proverbs 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Let's read that again. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. We gotta stop hiding just because we feel a little bit of fear. Listen to me. I've been rejected. The worst thing they're gonna do is tell you they don't wanna hear it. That's the worst thing. People need to hear about Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter two. Let's look at Jesus's example. If it's Christ-like benevolence that we're looking at and that we're seeking, let's look at his example in Philippians, the second chapter. And you will hear, you will hear me reference foster care a lot. And you might think that I'm up here giving a commercial, and I'm not. I'm just telling you it's been a big change in our life. And there's many other ways. You don't have to bring kids in your house. You should. No, I'm just kidding. But there's so many other ways to reach these people on a daily basis. Amen? Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus' example. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. 
Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. It takes humbleness to have a benevolent spirit. And become obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. Aren't you thankful for Christ and his example? I'm going to call somebody out right now. He's bigger than me, and he could really crush me physically. So I'm just praying that he does it. I saw my buddy Jeff in Walmart the other day. All right? Don't hurt me. He's a big dude. When I say he's a big dude, look at that dude over there. His head is bigger than mine. I was going in there to buy a copier or a printer or something, diapers, pills, something. And I seen this big dude in front of me, and I went to him, and I looked him in the eyes, didn't I? It wasn't in the high, hey, man, come to church. I looked you in the face, didn't I, in the eyes, and asked you how you was doing. And that changed the course of your day, didn't it? He went home and bawled. I didn't know that. Now, that is nothing magical about me. Nothing. It could have been anybody. I just chose to listen to the Holy Spirit. And not be afraid to stand in front of somebody and wait for God to tell you what to say. Go to Isaiah chapter 58. I hope you're getting this church family because I'm so passionate about seeing this city change forever. And it's happening. You don't see it in the papers. You don't see it on Facebook. But I promise you I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it in adults. I'm seeing it in the prisons. I'm seeing it in families being reconciled when people said they would never be a family again. You say, what do I get out of being benevolent? It's a fair question. What do I get out of being benevolent? What do I get out of doing more than just paying somebody's bill? Isaiah says it pretty good, verse 10, the 58th chapter. When he says, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. Notice the words that were chosen in the New King James. Not if you extend your wallet out, but if you extend your soul to the hungry, not physical hungry, spiritual hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul. There's a lot of souls that are afflicted by different things. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness. Verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually 
and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water shaking a dignitary's hand because you did something good? It's so that your spirit, man, can be strengthened so you can go out and reach somebody else for Jesus Christ. My brother said this, and I truly believe it. Shane and you and Aaron, come up, if you would, please. My brother said, you know what? We have enough food pantries. We have enough food pantries. We have enough clothing pantries. And I'm thankful for the food pantry. The Fox family does an unbelievable job. Ministers to hundreds of people. And the workers, just phenomenal job. And we will continue to minister to people with food. We will continue to minister to people when they need a coat. And those are great, but we have enough of those in the city. But what we don't have enough of is people that are willing to feed into a soul that is hungry. A soul that is hungry. Not a physical body. A soul that is hungry. We don't have a physical hunger crisis in Heber Springs. Do you know what our crisis is? We have a spiritual crisis in Heber Springs. People are dying every single day in this small little town and going to a devil's hell. While myself and many others are too busy. And I got ball games, JoJo. You don't understand. Yeah, I understand. I got six kids in my house right now. There's balls everywhere. I'm coaching two basketball teams. I'm over my head. Diapers are almost gone. Prue's almost there, but we're still there. Over my head in diapers. You can talk to my mom. There's days where if I had it, I'd pull it out. And she would pull it out for me. The man. You're a part of a church that God has specifically put a mandate on. He's put a stamp on it over the doorpost. I really believe that. And to get the process really rolling, all it would take would be for all of us collectively to become more benevolent to souls. Instead of this, this. Because I promise you, this is not going to fix a home that has been afflicted with meth. This isn't going to fix a one-year-old girl that hadn't had a bath in a month. This ain't going to fix it. What's going to fix it is to show 
them, Jesus. As we close, I want to go to one more passage. 2 Samuel, chapter 24. Second Samuel chapter 24. The 18th verse. King David. made a mistake how many of you make mistakes every day he's made a mistake though he's called a census wasn't necessary in God's eyes verse 18 beautiful transaction happened Verse 18 says, And Gad, prophet, came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Arana looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Arana went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Arana said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said to buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. There was a plague that afflicted the people after David put out that census that killed a lot of folks on David's watch. Now David is wanting to go buy some property to build an altar to the Lord which would later become a pretty important place. Verse 22 now Arana said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Arana has given to the king. And Arana said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. But watch what David says. See, Arana was trying to give him a handout. Wanting to give him everything. Verse 24. Then the king said to Arana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord for my God with that which costs me nothing. David basically said, I don't need a handout. I need a hand up. And I need it to cost me something. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. Why was the plague withdrawn from Israel? Because David wasn't just happy with a handout. He needed a hand up. 
And if we want the spiritual plague that has taken place in this county to come to a stop and change, we, the church, have to be willing to sacrifice something before the Lord Almighty. It's a great sermon Charles Spurgeon preached in 1884. I had my Sunday school class look at it last week. Text me some comments and their opinions. One quote from that message caught my eye. And it really connects to this message. It says, many groan over their inabilities. Can't do it. God's not called me to do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not small enough. I'm not rich enough. Can't speak. Can't talk. Can't look people in the face. I can't. I can't. I can't. Many groan over their inabilities, and yet they have never gone to the end of their abilities. Spurgeon said this is sheer hypocrisy. So I leave that question to you this morning. Have you gone to the end of your abilities? Are you in a place where it seems like all you do is just whine and complain and moan about what you can't do? I promise you, every breathing human being in this building right now can walk out of that door being led by the Holy Spirit and can show somebody Jesus Christ. Everybody has the ability to do that. You just got to go to the end of that ability. Stand to your feet this morning, all over this building.